welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. But anyway, uh, also today uh, we have a special guest speaker, and I'm going to invite Pastor Rocky to come forward and share with you this morning. You can grab that mic right there if you want. Um, uh, for those of you, uh, first of all, let me just say this. You obviously notice I'm in a sport coat and slacks, and I didn't do that because I was going to be preaching this morning. I did it because I've lost 30 pounds, and I can fit into it again. <laughs> Hallelujah. And it's Mother's Day. I'm telling you, I'm going to show off a little bit. And ladies and gentlemen, now we have the... Hallelujah. I, um, I've always felt that it was odd that on Mother's Day, men preached messages. I don't know if that's totally off because so many women aren't preachers at the same time it's sort of like a man giving a uh, a class on childbirth that would that would be like trying to explain the flood with noah sitting on the front row you know what i'm saying so uh but the fact is i was born to a mother was raised by a mother and lived with her, not with her, but lived alongside of her in my lifetime for almost 60 years. I've known other mothers. My sister's a mother, nieces, nephews, people that I've known. My wife is a mother. I've counseled mothers and parents in general. I know a thing or two about mothers so be encouraged I'm not just talking out my hat this morning but the main thing is is that I'm not going to explain motherhood that's for God to do and for me to help you mothers to understand maybe a little bit better and be encouraged a little bit more as to who you are to us And to help these children that are in this room this morning, and I'm speaking of those that are young and those of us that are old and still have our mothers in the earth. How to walk with our mothers, how to understand our mothers, how to respect our mothers. No matter what our mothers were or are like, Hallelujah. Now, you know me, th those of you that do know me, you know I've got a couple of stories that I like to tell when I'm, when I'm ministering in the Word. So I've got a couple of stories this morning that I want to share with you right off the bat. I want to tell you about a few mothers, okay? <clears throat> One is in the Bible and the other two or three are not. We were with a, a young couple recently in 
he wanted to talk, in particular, he wanted to talk to us about his mom and something she said to him right before she died. She was in the hospital with cancer, and right before she died, she, she called him up. He was 18 years old. He was about to graduate from high school. And she called him and said, you need to come to me now. He's in Laredo, Laredo she's in Houston. You need to come to me now. I have something to tell you. God has visited me. So he missed his graduation walking across the, the stage and drove all that way to Houston to speak to his mother or let her more specifically speak to him. She was a young mother. He was 18. She hadn't, she hadn't been around uh, uh, that much longer, about twice as long as he had. She was crying and crying and crying, trying to get these words out. But she said, as I lay here, I'm thinking my life is going now. I'm, I'm passing. What have I done? What have I accomplished in my short time? I've had this boy that I love deeply, but have I done okay? Like so many of us wonder at times in our lifetime, not just about being parents, but in particular about being parents. Have I done okay? Did I do it right? And she said, she didn't say these words, but the Holy Spirit came to her. God came to her and he told her that yes, indeed she had that her main purpose for living in this life, first of all, of course, to glorify God. But outward ministry was raising that boy and that she had done well. He has a calling, a purpose, and you raised him to that calling and that purpose. And then she passed away. But she was so thrilled that she knew the God of heaven had told her, you did all right. You raised my boy, because that's who he is, right? Each one of us are his. You raised my boy the way I needed you to. Now he's mine. Don't worry about him. And Danny wanted to talk, well, this guy wanted to talk to us about his calling. My mother, now let me, let me start here and before I start talking about my mother. I mean, let me tell you this. So many times people, they get up and they start talking about their childhood, their parents, their whatever, and it sounds like it's more of a ministry session for them than it does a sermon, right? Or a message to other people. And that's not what this story is about to be, okay? But I'm going to tell you about my mother and how we grew up together, okay? My mom and I, to shoot into the distance here, my mom and I didn't get along real well. Loved each other deeply. I would have taken a bullet for her. She would have done the same for me any day of the week. We liked each other off and on. 
we loved each other all the time. Does that make sense? But my mother was embarrassed by me. She really was. She didn't like to admit it, but she was. Because I wasn't a dream son to her. I wasn't the son she thought she would raise. I wasn't the minister that she thought I would be because I'm different. <laughs> I didn't adhere to the norms. I, I, didn't, uh, I didn't look status quo. How can you do that and be a minister? Like when I played in the clubs for a while. How can you do that and be a Christian minister? I don't know, Mom. It's just that I know that God told me to do it, and I did it for a while, and now I'm not doing it. And you know, But I'd do it again if he told me to. But people came to Jesus, and that's all I can tell you. But my mother was raised with eight children, you know, her, her siblings and herself, raised by a very strict father and one who we all believe was abusive to his kids. We know to a degree that he was, but we think it probably went beyond that. When my mother came to Jesus at 14, she was Pentecostal. She came to Jesus in the Pentecostal church. And in those days, if you were Pentecostal, you never wore makeup and you never cut your hair, et cetera, et cetera. And so she didn't cut her hair. She didn't wear makeup anymore. <clears throat> and one day, as she was walking out the door on the way to school, her dad would stand at the door and kiss them all goodbye, and, uh, but not him, not her. She turned her cheek for a kiss, and he said, I'll tell you what, I'll kiss you when you start wearing makeup again. Go on. First rejection. Her life went on from that with men over and over and over. Her first husband, my, my brother and sister's dad, was exceedingly abusive. Really, really bad. To the point that she finally said, if you just got a beat on somebody, beat on me. And he did. It was one of those kind of lives. And he died of a stroke. And they were all rid of him, quite bluntly. <laughs> then she was a single mom for several more years. And then she was walking down the street and saw this gorgeous man leaning up against a building with a pool cue in his hand. And she looked at him this way <laughs> as she continued to walk because she was a proper girl. But he saw her and told his buddies, I'm going to marry that right there. Tall, redhead, you know. And he did. And then they had me. At a year and a half old, I caught measles and encephalitis at the same time. I was near death. I was in uh, um, convulsions. Uh, I was out of it totally because of the high fever. Daddy dropped mom and me off at the local uh, clinic hospital, small hospital in Kaufman uh, City, Texas. And then he left to go to the bar to get drunk because he couldn't handle the drama of me nearly dead. They said, we can't help him here. We don't have the facilities. We don't have the equipment. We don't have the knowledge. You'll have to go to Dallas. 
She said, my husband's just left. There's no way to get a hold of him. And there was a minister in the room. He said, mother, my name is Reverend so-and-so. I'm a local preacher here. Everybody knows me. Everybody here in this hospital knows me, and they know that you can trust me. I will drive you to Dallas. She said, well, I was about to walk because <laughs> I got to get to Dallas for my baby. Drove us there. I'm near dead, and they come in and tell her she, that he won't live through the night. And even if it did, his brain would be fried from the fever. It's been so high, so consistent. I was in a bed of ice at the time. My brother, of course, as I grew up, told me that that's the reason I was the way I was, because my brain had fried when I was a child. But uh, mom told the doctor, I can't believe that. He said, well, I'm sorry. You know, I know it's very difficult. She said, no, I, I simply can't believe it for this reason. God told me when my son was in my womb that he would grow up to preach the gospel. And he hasn't done that yet, has he? They kind of shrugged, and she went down the hallway and came into the ward, the children's ward, because back in those days, they were all in, children were all in one big room. Came into the ward, walked over to my bed while I was lying there naked in this bed of ice. And she told the Lord, he's yours. I gave him to you when he was born. You said he was called to preach. And I'm not going to argue with you because he's yours. If you want him to go now, you can take him. But if you want him to live, then I say, now's your chance. And then she started to cry a little bit, and she went to the door. And just as she reached for the door handle, she heard me say, Mommy. And she stood up, and after I'd been in a coma for days, there I was standing there looking at her. God saved me for a purpose. And it was this wounded woman's faith that caused me not to die. Certainly the grace of God, certainly the calling of God, but her faith was in there. Over the years when we were young, my brother and sister were older than me. And so for a while there it was just mom and me, but even when it was the three of us, she worked two and three jobs to take care of us. My sister, beginning at 12 years old, took care of my brother and me. She was, she still is a pseudo mom. She never lets me forget it, as an older sister does. But we wouldn't have things to eat. We wouldn't have all kinds of stuff. We were lacking in many things over, the, over our time together in those days. But one day, we said, there's nothing in the cupboard, Mom. There's nothing in the fridge. What are we going to do? And she said, I'm going to go upstairs, and I'm going to pray about it. That's where Mom's prayer room was, was upstairs in our little duplex. She went upstairs, and then there'd be a knock on the door, and someone came with groceries, just led of the Lord to help out. It happened consistently, not constantly, but consistently throughout our lives. We were dirt poor, but we were never hungry. There were times that mom and I only ate grits three times a day. But I wasn't hungry. Bored? 
but not hungry. Our treats were to save up her pennies so we could get sweet apples, red delicious apples, on the weekend. That was our treat. That was what we looked forward to. As dirt poor as we were, I only, we, only had, we had twin beds and we only had one set of sheets. I didn't know that. But I saw it that only one bed was made. And I was living with an aunt and uncle at the time, and when I would come to visit her, there was only one bed made, and I, would, I mentioned it, you know. No, I'll fix it in a little while. You go ahead. I didn't find out until years later. We only had one set of sheets. She covered up with her coat. She taught me how to write my name in cursive and to write period in cursive on blank checks. I'm glad I didn't make that a living. But... <laughs> Because I could copy real well. And, uh, but I, I, I learned on blank checks because we wrote very few checks. <laughs> so we had these thick books of checks. and So that was my paper because we didn't have any money for paper. I got sick every year with pneumonia, double pneumonia. Sometimes that and bronchitis because my lungs had been scarred by the fever that I had as a child. I nearly died every year of my young life and my mother had to go through that with me all I had to do was endure it I had no idea how scared she was as a parent now I know exactly how scared she was on and on and on it goes it, it just was it was tough for her all the rejection all the abuse she didn't want to raise boys Quite frankly, she had my sister, and my sister was gorgeous, by the way, a model at 15, and just, just beautiful. And she was the epitome of the perfect daughter. I mean, she just did everything right, it seemed. As she grew up, she married a man who was industrious, and they, you know, made money, and they were a success. And, and uh, by the way, I was never jealous of my sister. My brother was for a long time, but I, I was never jealous of my sister. She was my sissy, and I loved her to death. And I never suffered, you know, any uh, rejection about her relationship to my mother. But mother favored Linda, my sister. There wasn't any doubt about that. My brother rebelled against this, got in trouble, and went to a place called Boys Ranch up in Amarillo at uh, Cal Farley's Boys Ranch. And he, he spent his high school days there. Once he got there, he got in with a couple of boys. They stole a car and went to Colorado. And the sheriff up there talked to my mother. And he said, uh, Ms. Ivy, because that was her name now, Ms. Ivy, that's a good boy in there. She said, well, Cal Farley's done real good things with him. And he said, no, ma'am. Mm -mm. He's only been there a few months. He said, what I see in that boy was put in him at home. You did all right. That was the first time she'd ever heard it. You did all right. And then I turned 13. My brother and sister were a product of the 40s and 50s. I was a product of the 50s and 60s. It was different. <laughs> it was real different. All of a sudden, the music was different. 
because I love the old rock and roll and country and western and jazz and all of that too, but I love the rock and roll of the 60s. So it changed. Now she's raising a boy that didn't look like she wanted me to look, didn't act like she wanted me to look, didn't think the same way that she wanted me to think, didn't have the same worldview that she had. You see what I'm saying? It just got worse and worse as I got older. And then Jesus saved me. But from then on, teenage years and on, she never understood me. Never did. And it was a real point of contention between us for years and years. Sometimes we'd fight. I mean, really yell at each other. Sometimes it was just disagreements. But quietly, she was embarrassed by me. The bottom line is this. Today, if I'm anything at all, I am partly that, foundationally by the grace of God, but also because of my mother. She took me to church. She told me truth about God. She told me the truth about Jesus. As wounded as she was, the mistakes that she made, and she made big mistakes, guys. She made big mistakes with me. And she recognized many of those later on in life. That, that out of her fear, she made huge mistakes with me. Out of her anger toward men, she made huge mistakes but with my brother and me. Huge. That affected our lives. And yet, she taught me truth about my Father in heaven. And told me, if you will only give your heart to Christ, everything will be all right. He'll give you the wisdom. He'll give you the truth. He'll lead you in everything that you need for the rest of your life. It laid the foundation for me. And I will honor my mother today. In that right there. My mother taught me truth. My mother taught me the way to God. And then it was up to me to choose it or not. And again, by God's grace, I made the right choice. I'm not going to read all that. Uh, in Proverbs, <laughs> I forgot my Bible at my desk, and uh, so this is my Bible this morning. But in Proverbs 31, it talks about the Proverbs 31 woman. And it, it's just virtually the whole chapter, this, this exemplary woman who does business well. She takes care of her children she takes care of her husband she makes sure that they have what they need she rises up early she goes to bed uh, in some cases early and uh, uh, because she's worked so hard during the day this Proverbs 31 woman that many many women's retreats have been based on that that chapter uh, the example of that chapter and I haven't met one woman that ever felt like she uh, uh, measured up 
to the Proverbs 31 uh, woman. But I will tell you that I've met one woman that I believe does exactly measure up to that. And I'm going to brag on her a little bit right now. My wife is awesome. I go down the list of the Proverbs 31 woman and I am telling you there is not one area of that chapter that my wife has not exemplified in her life. Not one. I was married young, had two wonderful children and divorced. I never thought that God would give me a woman like this. The Bible says that the Proverbs 31 woman, her children will rise up and call her blessed. I can tell you right now that even her stepchildren rise up and call her blessed. My kids... They said, Dad, you know, you probably thought you were turning us all off on marriage because we haven't married. They just, they weren't walking with Jesus and they just lived with their guys uh, because you and Mom got divorced. And I said, well, the thought had crossed my mind a couple of times. They said, actually, it's just the contrary. You and Janice give us hope. That's my kids, her stepkids. You give us hope. My Janice can do almost anything, guys. That's just a fact. Business, she creates, she sews, she, 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 uh, she doesn't decorate. I do the decorating. But she sews, she shoots pool like you wouldn't believe. She, okay, little, little rabbit trail right here. She joined a league here in Austin, Texas, right? Her league, one city, one region, et cetera, et cetera, went to Las Vegas for the Nationals, and her team, out of hundreds, like 700 and, and something teams around the country, came in 33rd. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? I'm telling you. I am telling you. She fishes, she hunts, huh? Her gumbo is it. She won, she won second place in the Mardi Gras cook-off for Central Market several years back uh, and came in second place for it, for seafood gumbo. Come on now. I didn't have to lose 30 pounds because, you know, I eat sandwiches every day. She is that. Did she start off that way? No. I could tell you stories about in the early days between her and her children and you would shiver. She didn't abuse them. I, I mean, she didn't physically abuse them or anything like that. But she had a mouth on her. You wouldn't believe it, would you? My little demure wife, she's so... Hmm. <laughs> you know. But yeah. But she repented. Came to Jesus. Started raising them differently. Do you know that they don't even remember those days? They tell her. I, you keep talking about I, I don't remember that. 
They were more than old enough to remember that. But because the other overshadowed, they don't even remember it. Happy Mother's Day, baby. So, those are two mothers. Now let's take it up a notch. Mary. The young girl, and she's about doing her business one day, and all of a sudden the angel of the Lord comes and says, Hail Mary. You are highly favored. Highly favored. Mary didn't fall down on the ground scared to death. She didn't shiver. She didn't, uh, she didn't say, oh, I'm not favored. She didn't go into any of that. It's almost as if she had been visit visited by angels before. Because all it did, it says that the saying, she was wondering about it. I'm like, I'm just wondering that an angel showed up for me just to show up and speak to me at all. But she was troubled by what he said, and she said, how can this thing be that I'm going to give birth to the Son of God, seeing that I know no man? And he explained it to her that the Holy Spirit would be doing all of this. Highly favored. What does that mean? Does that mean she was perfect? I don't believe that for a minute. Not for a minute. Even Jesus at one point had to say, Woman, it's not my time. What have I to do with you? She wasn't perfect. His father Joseph, his stepfather Joseph, he wasn't perfect. There hasn't been another human perfect in the entire history of mankind. We all have our fears as parents. We all have our history, personal histories as parents that mingle into our present life, that mingle into our life of raising children and being wives, mothers, husbands, fathers. These lives that are imperfect, these lives that we, that we moan about sometimes, these, how I was raised, how I was, how, uh, how I was treated, uh, uh, what my experiences are uh, uh, regarding men or regarding women or regarding life in general. It just seems like I never catch a break kind of stuff. And yet we are called to raise children. And God entrusts us and each mother with those children, the lives of those children, the destinies of those children, as imperfect as we are. How many of you are mothers? Good. No men raised their hands. That's good. That's a good start. <laughs> You are chosen and favored by God. Chosen and favored by God himself. Well, I'm no Mary, you might be thinking. No, you're not. And Mary wasn't you. 
She was highly favored for a really particular purpose, wasn't she? So are you. So are you. So were you and so are you. Because motherhood never stops. Fatherhood never stops. What does it do in the later years when the children are gone and grown? There's praying to be done. There's counsel still to be given. Not directives like you're going to do and you're not going to do. You can't do that anymore. They're adults. But you're still needed for that child of yours, that adult child of yours, to move on in their calling, in their gifting, in their own purpose. You are chosen. Not just as the host body of God's gift, but as the nurturer, the educator, the leader. Of that child that God has called from the foundations of the world to be birthed into the earth to accomplish his purpose for that child and through that child for kingdom purpose. You are chosen. You're chosen to raise up a whole generation. Doing your part, one by one, to raise up leaders of a whole generation. The only thing keeping you from believing that is your past. The only thing keeping you from believing that is the devil's voice himself. And he's nothing but a liar and a cheat. Here to cheat you out of being the kind of mother you want to be. To believe that you are a good mother even with your mistakes. Reminding you of your history. Reminding you of the mistakes you've made in raising your children. Hallelujah! I made mistakes as a father. My kids still say I'm the best dad on the planet. Chosen. The Bible says that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. It says that we have been called out of darkness and into His marvelous light. We weren't just birthed from the darkness of our mother's wombs into the bright light of the hospital room. We were called, every one of us, birthed out of our mother's wombs, called to a specific purpose in this life. And the mother that birthed you was chosen for you by God Himself. Imperfect as they were. Imperfect as you may be, you are called to raise that child in the way that they should go. Not the way you think they should go. Not the way you want them to be. Not the way you would desire for them to look, to act. But the way that they should go. Everything in you has a discerner. You're a mother. My mother knew things about me that, oh, I didn't even know I knew about me. One day I walked, I came home one day, I had bought a guitar. Now, I, I didn't have, I shouldn't have bought that guitar. <laughs> but if you know anything about guitars, they buy guitars when they shouldn't have. They buy a lot of guitars sometimes. But I bought this guitar, and I was going to break the news easily because, you know, I was paying for my own insurance and, and my car and gas and all of that kind of stuff. But still, you know, Mom kind of wanted to know how much money you still got in your bank account so that you're not asking me for money later, which I didn't do. She comes in and said, Rocky, did you buy a guitar today? Out of nowhere. And I went, 
Good night. There's no way she could have known. I said, yes. She, okay, just wondering. And she left. That's how it was in my household, gang. All right? A very prophetic family, and they didn't even know it. All right? But they could sense things, smell things. Mmm. <laughs> even when they didn't know what they were smelling, they could smell it and, you know. My mother, uh, the, uh, the Baptist Standard did an article on me because back then there was no interdenominational anything. It was all denominations. And the Jesus movement was on. I got saved. I came into the Baptist church there in uh, Beverly Hills Baptist Church in Dallas, and, and they did a, an article on me, a story on me in, in the Baptist Standard. And so I told the whole truth, nothing but the truth. So help me God, right? My mother calls me up. She was retired. She lives out some, you know, uh, about three hours outside of Dallas. And uh, she calls me up and said, Rocky, I just read the Baptist Standard. They're lying about you. I said, oh, God, I forgot she still took the Baptist Standard. <laughs> she hadn't been in a Baptist church in all those years, but she read the article, and, oh, I had a lot of talking. But anyway, we got it done. They know things. They can dis you can discern. You need to discern what your child is called to be what your child is meant to be, what your child is purposed to be. You may not have to understand. You may not get the big picture. Only God has the big picture. But if you know they're supposed to be a minister, if you can feel it, oh, that kid's a pastor, that kid's an evangelist, that kid's one of the ministries, some kind of ministry in life, then you need to provide. We need to provide for our children every way we can opportunities whether we can get them the best guitar lessons in town or not, find somebody in town that will teach them a chord. A chord. You see what I'm saying? Get, get it done that way. Show them that way. Um, help them to discern whether or not they really want to stick with that or not. Let it play out. Let them watch. Because when you're 5, 10, 15 years old sometimes, you want to be everything all at once. Just help them to find out. Look at their talents. Find out what their talents are. If they're artistic, help them get there. If they're scientific, help them to get there. I need a lot of help to get there for science and math. I always tell people I love math so much I took it twice. They have a calling. They have a gifting. It's up to us as parents and, and mothers to discern their gifting, to discern that, to discern from God. Do they have something that, what can I do to help them get where they need to go? Their purpose, their function. You have a purpose and a function to help that child find out where they're supposed to go. You can't tell them where they're supposed to go, but you can help them find the way. Your children and you, as a mother, you were not the product of some sexual encounter. Your children were not just the product of that. When I was in the third grade, this is back in the innocent days, you understand. There was a red-headed kid in my neighborhood. He comes over and tells me how to have babies. He used all the wrong language. It was, you know, he was cursing, saying bad words. All I knew was that he was saying bad words and he was using that in context with my mom and dad. And I beat him down severely. So while I'm on his chest, bloodying him pretty badly for a third grader, 
Mom shouts out the window, Rocky, Ivy, you get up off that boy right now. And I turned around. I held his face down like this. <laughs> I turned around and I said, but Mom, he said you and Dad. She said, <coughs> come upstairs. Get off of him and come upstairs. We'll talk about this. And of course, that boy and I never played again, but still. Your child was birthed with a purpose. Your child was birthed with a purpose, no matter how they were birthed. No matter with whom they were birthed. David and Bathsheba, you heard that story. They failed, didn't they? Ooh, they failed. He, he didn't go to war when he should have gone to war. See, he wasn't out fighting. So he's up on his rooftop, looks down on another roof that was down below his and saw this woman taking a bath. He lusted after her, brought him into his chamber, had relations with her. She got pregnant. He killed her husband to hide it. Then the prophet came along and said, this is what you've done. He admitted it. He confessed it before all and wrote it in the Bible. Now, how can that woman be blessed? How can her children rise up and call her blessed? Look at the way they started, right? And yet, her first child died. God had his reasons for that. The second child comes along, and it was Solomon. King Solomon, one of the greatest kings in history, one of the greatest kings of the Bible, that was his mom. Do you hear me? There were still people in Israel, no doubt, that were saying, well, she's an adulteress. God will never favor her. I don't care if she does live in the palace. God's never going to favor her. And yet, not only was she Solomon's mom, she's in the lineage of Jesus the Christ himself. He, she had favor with God. She had a rough start, but she had favor with God. You may have had a rough start, but you are favored with God because he called you. He called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. He called you to be his child. He called you for a specific purpose, not just to raise children, but that is one of your purposes as a mother. Raise up this child in the way he or she should go, and then when they're old, they'll not depart from that truth. And then I'm going to take them on from there, God says, and I'm going to make them and mold them fully, more fully what they need to be, and more specifically, what I've called them to do. But you and I have our parts as parents to raise them up in the way that they should go because we are chosen to do so. Chosen. There is deep purpose in our raising up the next generation in our generation because it's in our generation we have children. But we're raising up a child for another generation. We're raising up an adult someday. And that adult will either lead or fall. We need to teach them how to stand. We need to teach them how to walk and follow God. Because we are called, you mothers are called for that purpose as mothers.
And from my view, it's a heck of a job. It's a tough job. It's a heartbreaking job. Nevertheless, to this we are called. Hallelujah. All the mothers say amen. Would you stand up, please, you mothers? All you mothers, stand up, please. And if you would, come down to the front and just kind of be here in the front a little bit because I want the fathers and the other men to stand as well. If you're not a mother, you can stay where you are. But you're also going to honor the mothers that you had. And once the mothers are up here, I want all the men and, and the other ladies to stand, please. That's what we're going to do. First of all, I want us to lift up our hands. And I want you to thank the Lord for your mother. The Bible says, honor your father and your mother. Not because they're perfect, not because they're good. They may have been lousy. Honor your father and mother that it may be well with you and that you will have long life. It's the first law, first commandment given with promise. So right now we're going to begin to thank the Lord for our mothers. Father, we thank you that you birthed us into the womb and from the womb of a particular woman. We thank you, Lord, that you birthed us into this earth through that woman. We thank you that there was a purpose that we were raised by that woman, by that mother. And even in her imperfections, even if she was a terrible mother, you had your purpose. Because now, even, even with a terrible mom, we understand some things that we would not have understood had we not been raised by her. We can empathize with others now that were not raised with perfect women, maybe lousy, abusive women even. But still, it was your choice, not hers, yours. You birthed us through that woman. You had a purpose in birthing us in that woman. And we thank you that you are fulfilling your purpose in our lives even today. Help us to see how we can better adjust. That we can be healed of the past wounds so that we can turn around and be able to, through that revelation of those past wounds, and those negatives, be able to help others become good mothers, be healed from their past as well, that we can empathize and move on and not stay stuck in that mode of uh, complaining or moaning about our past, how we were raised, but to move on and forward and become the best people we can be, to become the best mothers we can be. And we thank you for our mothers. We honor you today, Mother. We honor you. I honor you, Mom. With all your imperfections, I honor you. And thank you for putting up with me. And not kicking me out. 
thank you for loving me even when you didn't like me. I thank you for leading me to the truth. And whatever words you can say to your mother right now, go ahead and do it. Even in silence, maybe it's just your own thoughts, but whatever you can say to your mother, say it. And if you're too bitter to be able to say anything nice, then please consider this your exhortation to repent. Because that's unforgiveness, or it's bitterness. And we need to let it go. That's between them and God now. But today we honor mothers. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now the rest of us, if we could stretch out our hands to these mothers that are standing here in the front. <clears throat> Father, we bless these women. We bless these women. We say that they are blessed. They are blessed. They are blessed. We speak forgiveness, each of us. We speak forgiveness over their lives for any mistakes they made in raising their children, any mistakes that they've already made, any mistakes that they may make in the future. We still say, you're forgiven. You are forgiven. The Bible says any, anyone's sins that you say are removed, they are removed. We forgive. That's how we remove those things. We forgive. We remove we remove that. You are forgiven in Jesus' name of your mistakes. He has forgiven you. We will not hold it against you. He will not hold it against you. If you've repented and you know Jesus, he will not hold those things against you. We speak blessing over your lives from this moment on. Those who continue to uh, pray for their children, we speak life into your prayers. We speak anointing in your prayers that breaks yokes. It breaks yokes. Your anointing as a mother breaks yokes off your children. <clears throat> breaks yokes off your children. You have to continue to stand as fathers and mothers we have to continue to stand for them and to continue in that authority that we still do have there's a level of authority that we still do have we can't tell them what to do and not to do as adults but at the same time we can pray prayers with authority because we are the ones that brought them into this world by God's grace we do have a measure of authority still, and we pray for your prayers today. We bless your prayers with that truth, with that life, with that anointing that breaks yokes. I bless you with eyes to see your children the way God sees your children. Not to see them through earthly eyes, but to see them through His eyes so you can see them. And help them go in the way that they should go. 
Not according to your dreams, but according to his plan. I speak words of life into your mouth, not condemning words, not words that tear down, but words that build up. Words of truth that build up and encourage. Words of encouragement, not failure. Positive words, not negative. Disciplinary words, not punishment. Loving words and not condemning. I speak clear thinking thoughts into your mind about your children, not the emotional thoughts that come with motherhood or any parenthood. Not emotional thoughts that, that uh, can cloud your judgment or cloud your thinking about the moment or about that child in general. I speak clear thinking thoughts because that's what God has given us. Sound thinking minds. That the emotions would be secondary to the truth. That we would not raise our children or discipline our children according to emotions, but according to truth. I speak ears to hear whatever the Spirit is saying in the moment regarding your children at any given time. Ears to hear what he has to say, not what you think, not what you feel in the moment, but what he has to say beyond your emotions about that moment or that child in that circumstance. You're nurturing your leadership, your encouragement, your discipline, your boundaries until the day they walk out the door is laying the foundation for their adulthood. And I speak confidence in all those things. Confidence, not fear, no fear, no fear. It's not giving you the spirit of fear, but of a sound thinking mind. Let all yokes be broken now, Lord, through the anointing of these mothers. Let all yokes be broken through their prayers through their words, let all yokes be broken through their presence. And bless them this day, bless them with a new day, a new direction, a fresh, <clears throat> a fresh heart, fresh mind toward rearing of children, toward releasing of children as adults, but praying for them as their mothers. 
freshness. I speak freshness on every mother here and those that are uh, watching us from a distance. I speak freshness on all these mothers. Freshness. Fresh vision. Fresh love. Fresh joy. Fresh strength. A freshness in their purpose and in in, in the, the fact that they are chosen for that particular child. Those particular children. Freshness, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Now, y'all hug each other. Go ahead, moms. Y'all hug each other. Show support to each other this way. Amen? Y'all in a, a select group. You are a select group. Chosen of God. Chosen. Women of purpose. Women of purpose right here. And we thank you. Thank you for all you do in this life. For all of us wicked boys. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Rocky.